Grace and peace to you from our Good Shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters. The internet, is it a blessing or a curse? There's no doubt about it, the dawn of the internet has brought so many good things into our lives, right? Now, a seemingly infinite amount of information is at your fingertips. Now you can shop online. You don't even have to put clothes on to order more clothes. Now you can keep in touch with your family and friends with so much more ease than it used to be. But you know, as well as I do, that doesn't mean that the internet is free from drawbacks. And I just want to talk about one in particular. It used to be where you could have character flaws and they wouldn't necessarily get broadcast to the entire world, right? But now, you can tweet something in a moment of rage or just not thinking straight five years ago and forget about it, and someone can dig that back up and use it to ruin you. Now, if you're acting in a rage or you're just not thinking straight and someone catches that on camera, that video can ruin your life. And it seems like we live in an age where there is this certain level of moral purity that we all have to live by. And it seems like everyone else is all too quick to expose when other people are not living up to that standard, don't you find? It seems like there are bunches of people who are just chopping at the bit to sell you out, to expose you as not as pure as the rest of us, to ostracize you, to put you into the leper colony for not living up to the same standard. But in reality, no one lives up to that standard that they have set. And that's the problem with the Pharisees. The Pharisees in Jesus' day, they were obsessed with purity. And that is not an overstatement. You could show up every Sabbath to the synagogue. You could say your prayers and do your fasts like clockwork. You could eat kosher your entire life. But if those Pharisees caught you slip up, caught you slipping up in just one way, they would be the first to hang you out to dry, to ostracize you, to send you to the metaphorical leper colony. And these were supposed to be the religious leaders, right? So let's say you were in a position of vulnerability. Let's say you saw your flaws face to face and you needed help. Let's say your marriage was struggling. Would you want to call up the Pharisees and schedule an appointment to talk about your issues? If you were struggling with a particular temptation and it was just kicking you down again and again, would you want to step into the Pharisee's office and expose your struggles? If you were feeling down depressed, and you were having thoughts that scared you, would you want to open up about that to a Pharisee? No. No way. Because you can already hear what a Pharisee would probably say in response, right? Do more prayers. Be more righteous. Be more pious. Get back to doing what you should be doing. You shouldn't be feeling like this. You shouldn't be struggling with this. Trust God more. Say more prayers. Do more fasts. 
not very helpful, is it? But the problem of the Pharisees persists to this day. This feeling of ostracizing people who have weakness or vulnerability, that's not a new human behavior. That didn't suddenly appear as soon as the internet was, in, it was invented. No, that's something we all tend towards, isn't it? We have a little Pharisee within each of us, don't we? And we find ourselves saying things like, well, I hope you get better. I hope you figure that out. But in a way, what we're saying is, that's not my problem, that's your problem. So to this day, a man who struggles with alcohol or drug addiction opens up about his battle to his family. And the family says in response, well, you got yourself into this mess. You better get yourself out. A young man, a teenager, opens up to his friend about his pornography addiction, and his friend reacts by saying, oh, that's gross. You call yourself a Christian, and you do that? somebody who is struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts tell someone else and they tell them well, just try to smile more look on the bright side of life what are we doing when we say things like that? whether we realize it or not we're running away from their problems we're pushing them away we are ostracizing the people who are in their most vulnerable and struggling moment we're saying, this is your problem, not mine. It's as if we're running through the forest and we're being chased by a pack of ravenous wolves. As long as we can run just a little bit, for, a little bit faster than the person behind us, then we'll feel safe. As long as we can distance ourselves from the people who are really struggling, really weak, really vulnerable, then that makes us feel just a little bit better on the inside. This is a problem, right? What hope do we have? Because we better hope that nobody treats us in that same way that we so easily treat other people, right? We better hope that we have a different kind of shepherd. This is what Jesus is talking about when he compares the Pharisees and their obsession with purity and their obsession with ostracizing and pushing away the impure compares them with a hired hand. This is what he says. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So you're a shepherd and you're feeling sick or you can't take care of your sheep for whatever reason, so you hire a sub. You get a different person to come watch over your sheep. And as soon as that wolf comes by, licking its chops, looking for a meal, the hired hand, he hightails it out of there. He books it, because he didn't sign up for this. After all, those are not his sheep. He doesn't know them. He doesn't care about them. He's just a babysitter. He's not the, those aren't his kids. He's just a substitute teacher. That's not his class. He has no skin in the game. So he abandons the sheep at their weakest and most vulnerable moment. 
because he just wants to save his own skin. Do we want a shepherd like that? We'll see our ugliness, our danger, our weakness, and our failure, and we'll turn tail and run? In other words, do we want a shepherd who will treat us in the way that we so easily treat others? No. And the good news is, that's not the shepherd we have. Listen to the shepherd that we do have. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay, my, lay down my life for the sheep. See, in a world full of bad shepherds, Jesus is the good shepherd. In a world full of people who will see you at your weakest, and will turn tail and run and leave you, Jesus will never leave. In a world full of people who are too busy worrying about their own purity, that they don't want to be infected by whatever you've got going on in your life, Jesus doesn't run away from you. He does the exact opposite. He runs towards you. In your weakest and most vulnerable moments, when you are showing all your ugliness, all your struggles, and all of your sin, Jesus does not abandon you far from it. He comes to you, and he embraces your weakness. He takes your vulnerability. He takes your sin and he wears it as his own. He puts your guilt on himself. Far from distancing himself from you, he does not ostracize you, he doesn't send you to the leper colony. No, he takes everything that's messed up about you and acts as if it was his. And he takes it to the cross and crucifies it as he lays down his life for the sheep. This is what we celebrate at the cross of Christ. The moment that your weakness was extinguished, that your vulnerabilities were conquered, that your addiction and your sin and everything that you have ever struggled with was forgiven by the blood of Christ, your good shepherd, because he loves you, because he knows you, because Jesus wants a relationship with you. Because you're his sheep. Of course he cares about you. Jesus is not like an officer who gets flown in from some other place to check and make sure that everything you got going on is okay. Who whips out his clipboard and has a bunch of check boxes and he's just looking to see that everything's running at tip-top shape. And if anything isn't, and if anything is going wrong, if anything implies that he's going to have to stay there longer than he originally planned, he's going to get really frustrated with you because he just wants to go home. doesn't care about you. just wants to make sure that the job is going well. That's not Jesus. Jesus sees all your issues for what they are, but he's not going anywhere. Jesus has skin in the game because Jesus cares about you as an individual. Jesus is not just checking in with you this morning on a Sunday in service and saying, okay, everything good? You're all right? All right, get out of here. That's not Jesus. That's not relationship. No, Jesus is here for you for the duration. Jesus has a vested interest in you and your well-being. 
Jesus died on the cross to take away all of your sins, and he is here with you from one moment to the next, whether you're in church or not. Jesus cares deeply about you because you're his sheep, and he's your shepherd. Can you imagine the amazing, miraculous, gracious love of Christ? That he would choose to describe his relationship with you in terms of another relationship. Did you catch that? He says that the way that he knows you, the way that he loves you, can be compared to the way God the Father knows and loves God the Son. To the way God relates to God within the Trinity. Jesus chooses to compare your relationship to him to a relationship that our tiny human brains can't understand. But that's how profound and how miraculous and how loving your Savior, your shepherd, is toward you. He knows everything about you. Not just with a head knowledge, right? But he knows you as he relates to you. He wants this relationship with you. He does everything to maintain this relationship with you. And he wants this relationship with everyone. Because he has other sheep in mind as well. That's where he goes next. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The Pharisees in Jesus' day were obsessed with being able to trace your ancestry back to Abraham. Never mind that they totally disregarded the God of grace that Abraham believed in. The Pharisees were obsessed with maintaining an outward ritualistic form of purity following a certain form of religion. Never mind that their insides were rotten to the core. The Pharisees were quick to condescend and ostracize and send to the leper colony anyone who was not part of their ethnic group or could obey God as well as they thought they could. Jesus says, you guys got it all wrong. There is one criterion that matters. There is one metric that I care about. And it's not ethnicity. It's not anything outward. It's that my sheep Listen to my voice. And that's why we gather on Sunday. To hear the voice of our shepherd. The voice of love that speaks your forgiveness and your salvation. The voice of love that speaks to you as a shepherd tenderly speaks to his sheep. That voice that you first heard at your baptism. When your sins were washed away with water and the word. That voice that you hear again and again as you approach the table for the Lord's Supper. Through body and blood as you are spoken the forgiveness of your sins. That's the voice of your shepherd. That's the one thing that matters to Jesus. And as you hear the voice of your shepherd, you are taking your place in this worldwide group called the Flock of Christ. You know, normally, when people call you a sheep, that's not a compliment, right? Because they're saying that you blindly follow whatever you're being a sheep about. And they're kind of right, right? It pays to get a second opinion. 
It pays to double check somebody's research that they're apparently citing. It pays to, to double check things and look into certain matters. But you don't have to do that with Jesus. Because Jesus will never lie to you. Jesus loves you. You're his sheep. You can listen to his voice and believe it. You can listen to what Jesus says when he warns you about the dangers of sin. You can listen to what Jesus says when he gives you promises that everything will be okay and that he's with you. Jesus will never lie to you. He will never lead you astray because he's your shepherd. He will never abandon you. In a world where so many people are so quick to throw you to the wolves when you show the slightest sign of weakness, to abandon you at your weakest and most vulnerable position, your weakest and most vulnerable moment in your life, Jesus never will. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Because he cares about you too much. Because you are his shepherd. And that's a good thing. Because he is your good shepherd. Amen.